As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. I am here with a discussion with Andy Forster. Andy is the president of Liberty Energy Engagement, which is a part of the Academy of Leadership family, and he's a faculty member of the Talent Magnet Institute. Andy, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, Mike, thanks for inviting me. It's a delight to be here with you. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, we appreciate you during this time have had so much training and personal and professional experience in a topic around the title today, Taking Care of Your People and they will take care of you. Andy, can you introduce yourself a little bit in terms of the experiences that you bring to this conversation? I'd love to, Mike. Thanks for uh, asking. My leadership journey began when I was 17. I got an appointment to the U.S. Naval Academy. So I spent four years there being developed as a leader. That's the whole point of that school. Now, I got a Bachelor of Electrical Engineering along the way too, but the emphasis the whole time we were in school was on being that leader when we graduated. And when I graduated, I went into the Navy nuclear power program and became a submariner, served a tour as a junior officer on the USS Grayling Mm. as a sonar officer, the damage control assistant, some other roles is really exciting. Then I served a shore tour at the Pentagon in the Office of Naval Intelligence, which was pretty fascinating in its own right. Then I decided to leave active duty. Compatibility with Navy life and family life at the time wasn't all it could be, and kind of felt like I was at that divide in the road and had to make a choice. So I left and then went into the private sector, spent about 30 years there, mostly in a lot of leadership roles. I was an individual contributor, an engineer when I first got out. Like I got my civilian feet under me from understanding how the civilian world worked, and then grew up largely in the electrical manufacturing industry. So some big names there, GE, Square D, Eaton. And took on roles from engineer to start with, and then product manager, marketing manager, general manager of a division, CEO of a company after I left Square D. Wound up here and got to know you, Mike, when I lived in Cincinnati. I was the chief technology officer for one of the local companies here in the Cincinnati area. Hmm. So I've had the chance to do leadership since I was pretty young. In the private sector, of course, that usually doesn't come until folks are in their 30s. So they graduate with that engineering degree or accounting degree or whatever they have, work for a while, and then through some magical process or mentor something, get tapped to go be a a manager. Hmm. Yep. Andy, in the time that we're living in right now, where organizations, I had someone share just yesterday before we were recording this episode that we were just at an unemployment all-time low. As of this morning, at the time of this recording, it is at a uh, record-breaking unemployment rate high, and employees are going to remember when this thing turns back on, and I pray and hope that it turns on as quick as it was shut off. When we do that, employees are going to have options, right? They've now been in the unemployment lane and they can decide where they're going to go back to and what organization they're going to join. Could you share with our listeners 
a few leadership lessons that you've had that could relate to this type of turmoil and challenge and call it deployment? Well, I think one of the principal things you have to understand about leadership is leadership's all about grit. And everybody's a leader, right? Everybody has some measure of influence, whether they have folks that report to them directly or not. And I think especially at a time like this, it's remembering that dimension of grit, which is hard to measure, but you're not down and out until you don't get back up again. And we just got to all just keep getting back up and remember that things always get better. Mm. If you read the history books about disruptions that have happened in the past, economically, socially, whatever, we've been through worse times than this. And we got through them. We'll get through these as well. I think you have to keep that optimistic outlook. Above all, while you're in the middle of all this, remember to maintain your integrity. Once you lose that, and I don't know that there's any real threats to that systemically or anything. But once you lose that, you lose the ability for anybody to trust you. Mm. So stay on your moral compass there. Have faith that things will get better because they will. And gain confidence from the fact that that we've seen that in the past. Just keep your growth about you. Get back up. Mm. Keep moving. In terms of the question that everyone loves to learn, information people love to learn about, is military training. So with inside your DNA has been created from military training that you've went through and retraining and rethinking. If you right now are in a organization and you're leading a thousand people, what are some of the trainings that we can learn from that you've experienced in your professional and personal life that we can bring to our own situations of leading those thousand people well? Well, first of all, you got a thousand individuals out there. You've knit them into a team somehow, but there's still a thousand individuals that each have their own concerns, their own information needs, their own ways of gaining energy from the way they interact with the rest of the team and those around them. Mm -hmm. And sooner or later, each of those individuals need to get the answers they're looking for and need to be addressed. One of the most important things as a leader is you gain credibility and trust by living up to the standards that you put out there. You need to be very transparent about what you stand for and why you're going to do certain things. And let's face it, there's a lot of leaders who lead businesses that are having to do a lot of things they'd rather not do right now. Mm. It's easy to mischaracterize those leaders as being heartless or cruel. They're not. They're under their own pressures of bankruptcy and the banks calling them and they've got to get their cash flow situation figured out. And it's forcing them into things that they'd rather not do, too. So this is also a good time for everybody to remember to assume good intent on the part of others and just keep moving on, right? People are going to do what they got to do. And let's marry that with the grit component and all just get up and keep moving as best we can, Mm. helping each other where we can. When you and I were prepping for this call, you shared with me theory of X and theory of Y, which I thought was some great insights that some real tangible takeaways, which is something we try to do regularly here at the Talent Magnet Institute is some direct feedback and takeaways that our listeners, even as they're driving, they might not be able to take notes or as they're working out, or as they're cooking for their family, or as they're just prepping for their day, catching up on our podcast. Can you share with us a little bit about theory of X and theory of Y? 
Well, there's, as you know, over time, Mike, been a lot of theories of leadership. People write books and make money by coming out with new theories of leadership, it seems like to me sometimes. McGregor, who was a professor at MIT, had this theory X, theory Y way of parsing the world back in the 60s. Theory X was basically the old time feeling that workers were basically lazy and didn't want to do anything and needed to be coerced and beaten into submission. I think of it as the stick theory of leadership. You beat people with a stick to make things happen. And the theory Y leadership style was assuming that people basically are intent on doing their best, want to be the best employee they can, just need a little bit of guidance, and they're off and running and want to put out a good day's work and do the best they can. I think of that as the carrot theory of leadership. They anchor both ends of an extreme, you know, this continuum. Now, I, kind of being an optimist, tend towards the theory why, which is people are basically good and want to work hard. And that's why I think, basically, if you take care of your people, they'll take care of you. And I realize there are outliers. They're clearly off. When you deal with a lot of people, the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule really comes into play, where 80% or more of the folks clearly fall into the theory why, and you've got a few that are eating up a lot of your time. And you have to deal with those as individuals as best you can. And you want to make sure those guys never go into leadership roles within your business because they will destroy everybody that works for them. And then you got to decide how long you want to deal with them. I know on the submarine force, we're kind of an exclusive little club, and folks that were like that didn't last long at all. They'd get orders up to the tender of the big Navy and then get taken care of from there. Mm-hmm. So that's the theory X, theory Y. Andy, as people are working through the new norm of being quarantined and not able to be around people and or only being with a group of people that they're now seeing 24-7, can you share some of your lessons learned by being in a submarine that I understand is extremely close quarters and what type of adaptability you had to learn as a human to be in that close quarters with others and to keep a positive outlook and a good attitude and to be someone that others wanted to be around. Sure. Now, my opinion, it wasn't as hard as you make it out to be. You're right. The crew of a submarine is roughly, you'd go to sea with roughly 100, 110 people on an attack boat, and you'd stay deployed for months. So you got to know everybody on that crew really, really, really well. Hmm. and. You, through constant working with them, which meant a lot of drilling as a team. Drilling means we do fire drills at a school. On a submarine, you're drilling for fires, flooding, torpedo attacks, reactor scrams, all kinds of casualties in the engineering space. You just drill, 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 work, work, work together. For those who have been athletes, it's not a whole lot different than all of the drills or practices or scrimmages you would do on a sports team where you're looking at all the different kind of contingencies that could happen during a game. And you get to know who carries their weight, who seems to be able to step up in those crisis situations and be a hero, and who, frankly, really struggles with those situations and needs to work on those. And then it's not just like these are tests. These are let's work on it. After every one of those, there's a debrief, a reconstruction. What went right? What went wrong? How do we do the right as well and continue to do more of that? How do we fix what went wrong? So 
So you're constantly improving. The times to respond are getting shorter. The reactions are getting better and better. So you wind up being extremely close-knit. That's not saying that just like a family, you don't have people in there that have their own kind of eccentricities or weirdnesses or something, but you learn to accommodate those, to be more than tolerant of those. And I think a lot of that carries over into the quarantined world. The plus side is we have an opportunity to become closer and a more tight-knit group, potentially, if we take advantage of this time. But it does assume a lot of good intent, toleration, and working closely with each other to try to get better and better. Andy, I was on a call just this morning, and we were discussing the challenges of business owners and leaders that they face now to feel like things have really come, I mean, like an immediate halt and the dynamic and the emotions of coming to a halt and the pressures and challenges as a business owner that, I mean, halting business for a indefinite period of time is not something that we've ever been asked to do, let alone required to do for those that fall into non-essential. And then those that fall into essential are basically asking people to still show up to work, even though the world says that this is complete devastation with the coronavirus and COVID-19 during a time of extreme, like, I don't want to go, but yet I know I'm called to be there. How can you help people through some of your experiences and leadership to really be willing to go into, call it battle and unknown territory with what we're facing despite what we're hearing in the media and what we're seeing. And to be frank, what some families are dealing with directly. I have now had two friends of mine share that family members or friend of theirs have died due to COVID-19. So what can you share with our listeners on this topic? Well, it's a challenge to be sure. We're not the first generation or group of people to be challenged. Keep that in mind. You've got a huge background and training through your life's experiences to handle this, and it's not comfortable. But a lot of times, the things in life that we learn the most from aren't comfortable. And you just got to keep soldiering through those. It goes back to the grit idea. You're not beat until you quit getting up. You're not beat in this case until you quit going in and doing what you got to do. And another thing to remember is that this, in a lot of ways, can be an opportunity. By that, I mean, it's a disruption. It's a change. And those who are most adaptable will come out on the other side of this change and will have found opportunities that they might not have had otherwise. And those who aren't adaptable are going to struggle the most, for sure. But if you decide, I'm going to be adaptable, I'm going to learn what I can, I'm going to change what I have to, I'm going to figure this one out, you probably stand a reasonably good chance of coming out of this stronger compared to the rest of your industry, then you might have had things just gone along the way they were kind of cooking before. Mm. You're right. A month ago, we had different challenges. We were getting into the world where we were resource constrained and the resource in this case was employees and labor. Companies wanted to grow, but they couldn't find the talent pool to do it. And everybody was gearing up for how do we deal with that challenge? We're going to come out of this in another month, and it's going to be a whole different challenge. There will probably be people there 
for you to use to grow with. It's a matter of can you take advantage of it. On the plus side, if you want to look out a year or two from now, from a business perspective, I think there's reasonable cause for hope. I'm getting a bit off here, but it seemed to me like through the last 15 or 20 years I was in the private sector, the game was move to China, move offshore, but principally we were talking to China. It was all of our manufacturing first. And later on, when I was running a global engineering team, we were setting up design centers. We were offshoring a lot of our professional services and everything. And I think it's pretty sure that that day, that tide has gone about as far out as it's going to go. And it's going to start coming back in because we found the vulnerabilities that come from that. So there'll be a big opportunity when that starts reshoring, which it already was sort of starting to do. We were already renegotiating all of our tariff agreements and stuff to sort of end that loss of intellectual property and everything else. When it starts coming back in, it's going to bring some huge opportunities with it for those who are ready to go run with that. Mm. So keep your head above water. We keep swimming right now and you'll be getting back up on that surfboard hopefully soon enough. Mm. Yeah, we've been talking about, Andy, the dialogue around repositioning yourself and taking this time to really build a team of innovation. Think about the things. I was on the phone with a team member this morning that said, hey, there are things that we're doing this week that we had on our parking lot items that weren't critical, but now we can take advantage of those. And the innovation coming out of our organizations has been really prominent. And I'm certain I'm seeing lots of organizations pivoting to create new material and PPEs and various things. And it shows how our personal flexibility, our facilities, our teams, our organizations could do even more when this turns back on, right? It might create new divisions for businesses. Yeah. And actually, in some ways, I know it's tough. There's cash flow things going on right now. But this pause before things turn back on, and who knows how quickly they'll turn back on. But since there was no fundamental disruption before this pandemic happened, the infrastructure should be fairly sound, hopefully. So now we've got a pause where you can't go into work and do what you could do. This is a great chance to do some refreshing and recharging and rebooting so that when the faucet turns back on here in a few more weeks, you're ready to rock and roll Mm -hmm. and run like crazy and take advantage of the disruption to be that adaptable company. So I think you've nailed it, Mike. Refresh, recharge. This is the time right now. As we talk about taking care of your people and they'll take care of you, What do you say to organizations who are quickly cutting off coaching, quickly cutting off continued learning and employee development? And then what do you say to those who are doing the opposite that are reinvesting in and taking this time to encourage their people that you matter and we're going to keep putting some investment and resources to come your way? So when things get going again, and this is true anytime, but especially when things get going again, there's having to be a lot of agility and adaption to do well in the new world, this reshaped world, reformed world a little bit. You're going to need leaders who are ready to hit the ground running. And your company doesn't run without its people, right? I mean, if you're the CEO or in the C-suite, 
the folks that are really doing the work aren't you, mm. right? The folks that are really doing the work are the folks calling on customers, taking the orders, solving their needs, making the things out on the manufacturing floor, designing or adapting your product. That's who's really getting the work done. Mm. And I know it's tough hanging on to those folks right now, and you may not be able to just to stay afloat and solve it and everything, but you're going to need those people. You're going to need that organization back pretty quickly. And now is a great time to get the underpinnings of that in place. When it turns back on, and just like right now, anytime things are changing quickly, you need really, really engaged employees more than ever. You can maybe deal with unengaged employees when things are kind of running normal. And we're not normal right now, and we won't be in normal for a while when things get going back again. When things aren't normal, you need really, really engaged employees. And that means you got to have a couple of things. One, every employee's got to see how what they're doing directly contributes to the mission of your business. And that needs to be communicated to them by their immediate manager. And that's the second thing. To have an engaged employee, they need to see how what they're doing contributes. And the second thing they need to feel is that that person who they work for, they report to, their immediate boss, not some distant CEO, cares about them professionally and is worried about their development and growth and how they're doing on the job and things like that. So you need to have all your management at all levels that's ready to convey and tie in with the mission and to take care of the people that are actually doing the work. And they're not going to become good leaders, effective leaders in terms of the way they engage the folks spontaneously. Mm. That takes a lot of effort. When you look at the military, you see how much effort the military puts into that. There's no assumption that officers or non-commissioned officers, the senior enlisted, are going to do that naturally. There's a lot of training and development that goes into that. And I would say that as a part of preparing your business for this disruption that's coming, which is when the valve gets turned back on here, you need to be preparing your leaders to do that. And yeah, it costs a little money, but I would say it's one of the more cost-effective things you can do when you look at the payback in terms of employee engagement that's been proven over and over again in numerous studies. Andy, as we wrap up this conversation for our listeners today, are there one or two additional concepts or ideas you'd love to leave us all with? Well, I want to share a story, Mike. I shared this story with you at another time at another meeting once, and that is how you act consistent with your principles and take care of your people. So I showed up at nuclear power school, Mike, you remember this. And so my wife and I had been married a grand total of, I think, seven days at that point. We got married, took the I-95 honeymoon down to Orlando to start this. We're in day two or day three of nuclear power school. And of course, day one, they gave us the speech and said, look around you, a third of you won't be here in six months. That was about the typical washout rate. And so it was to scare, motivate you. I will say that. Yeah. Motivate you to spend the time studying and doing what it took to graduate. So day three of this, I'm home. It's like eight or nine in the evening. My wife had gone off to an officer's wife's club meeting. In the Navy at the time, the men went to see the women were at home. I know things are a little different now. And since these deployments are so long, the women needed a support system to help with them and the kids and all the things that could go wrong and all that kind of stuff. So the captain's wife took that role. Well, at nuclear power school was the wife of the, the guy in charge of the officer department there. 
So she had had all the women over and my wife was still at that. And before she got home, I get a call and it's the Washington DC police. And they said, we've got something bad to tell you. Is your wife there? You know how they start that. So, you know, the bad news is coming. I said, no, she's not here right now. So we'll, we'll tell you. And anyway, it turned out her parents have both just tragically passed away. Mm-hmm. So there I am, new wife, seven days, bad news. I'm stuck here at nuclear power school. What can I do? We don't know what to do. We're 22 years old or something. Mm-hmm. She comes home and I have to tell her. And of course, that's very hard on both of us. And she says, well, what do we do now? And I go, I don't know. I'm 22. I mean, what do you know when you're 22? What to do then? Mm-hmm. Well, my dad, he wasn't that far away. And, and, you know, he had some sage advice. And she goes, well, the thing I was wife, I can't remember her name, said, call her if we needed anything. That's what this is all about. So I don't know what she can do. But she called and my wife tells her this story. And she goes, well, if your husband's there, put him on the phone. And she hands the phone to her husband. And this is the same guy that three days before said, a third of you won't be here. And it's mind over matter. And we don't mind and you don't matter and yada, 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 all that kind of hard, hard stuff. He goes, okay, what can I do for you? Really don't know. I don't know what I can do. I'm stuck here. He goes, you're not stuck here. We're going to take care of you. You need to take care of your family situation here. So then he starts helping me out. He goes, you need to go up. You need to take your wife up. You guys need to go up for the funeral, take care of all the arrangements, all that kind of stuff. You need money. Well, of course. <laughs> Who's got money, right? You're 22 and you're new in the Navy. He goes, be down at the dispersing office at 6 a.m. Somebody will be there to help you out. Now, the office doesn't open until 9 or 10. I go down there at 6 a.m., and sure enough, there's somebody there. They cut a check. We're off to the airport. We get things taken care of. I get back, and I'm thinking, well, I guess I guess my dreams of being a submarine are over. He said, no, they're not. What do you want to do? How can we help you get back into the game here? I'll give you some options. One is the rest of your class took a big exam on Friday. It washed about 10% of them off, off the top. If you can pass that, you're back in, or we can roll you into the next class, or we can do some other stuff. I said, well, I'd like to keep up with everybody else if I could. He goes, that's fine. You'll take the test. If you don't pass it, we'll roll you into the next thing. So you don't have anything to lose. Go up and see these three lieutenants upstairs and see if they can get you ready for that. So these guys were all returned full fleet lieutenants with the gold dolphins on everything. In about three hours, because I was the only student there, so they could just focus on what I needed to know and not the things that I already kind of knew. They got me ready. I took the exam. I got a 90-something on it. I was back off and running. Great illustration to me of, yeah, it's a tough environment. They mean to wash people out who aren't going to have the grit or whatever to stay on and go for it. But being able to adapt to the individual. And really, we all understood at the time they were very clear. The needs of the Navy came first, but that didn't mean they forgot the individual. Hmm. That was a tough, tragic time for hmm. me, just our little family at the time. But it's probably a good illustration of how oh, yeah. you deal with a bigger tragedy that involves a lot more people hmm. and take care of folks, live consistent with your principles, and mostly living what I call the platinum rule. You know the golden rule, Mike. Mm-hmm book of Matthew, right? In the Christian religion, but it's taught in pretty much all of them about doing to others as you would have done unto you. And the platinum rule is doing to others as they would have done unto them, right? Mm. They're different than you. And you got to take care of them where they're at. Mm. And this was a good illustration. I didn't even know where I was at, but Lieutenant Nichols still stood up and said, well, here's my suggestion. Here's what you need to go do. Mm. Perfect 
golden rule or platinum rule kind of situation there. So great teaching moment. Still a poignant memory. I'm sure. Andy, thank you so much for sharing that. I think the lesson of we're all dealing with things, but so are our people, right? And being human and caring and listening and being able to understand what people are going through and for that lieutenant to be able to look at you and say, we're here for you and your family during this tragic time. And we all need to be here during this tragic time for what people are going through and experiencing as well. So thank you for sharing that story again with me and our audience. My pleasure. Assume good intent and be kind. Assume good intent and be kind, everyone. To all of you listening, we thank you for joining this conversation. Andy, I thank you for your leadership and your energy and your excitement to help people get through this time and your relationship with the Talent Magnet Institute. To our listeners, thank you for your loyal listenership. And we hope that you enjoy this conversation and we look forward to our next. Please reach out to us via speakpipe.com backslash talent magnet. You can provide us your direct verbal thoughts and let us know how you're enjoying our episodes. Also tag us on social media, join our talent magnet podcast community page on Facebook and also check out talentmagnetinstitute.com to take a look at what we're doing, some of our free resources and downloads, and also some of our memberships. We look forward to this next conversation, and we will see you next week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity.